0: Awake in the Dream Radio with Laura Eisenhower and Dr. Dream. Raising your frequency and expanding your consciousness one guest at a time. to Awake in the Dream Radio. I am Dr. Dream and my co-host
1: it is Laura Magdalene Eisenhower. Hello everybody.
0: Hey Laura, how are you?
1: I'm good. How are you? Dr. Dream?
0: <laughs> I'm doing excellent. We've had we've had quite the um quite the the week since we were um since we were on last, haven't we?
1: Yeah, we just got back from UFO Con and that was Quite an intense event, Um, lots happening, lots of speakers, lots of interesting attendees. And now we're off to Asheville.
0: I got to tell you, before we jump into Asheville, um, I just want to say your uh, presentation at uh, UFOCon was mind-blowing, really got, um, I mean, truly some of the best feedback. I mean, you get great feedback wherever you speak, but got some really amazing feedback, um we just want to thank uh brian and Lorian uh that that put this event on it was truly very special and and it's always nice for us to get up to northern california isn't it
1: yeah it is I, I definitely lots of people we know that show up and yeah it was a lot of fun
0: yeah we do want to sort of shout out to um everyone that uh is on the broadcast tonight or listens to the recording, and. Uh, comes up to us and and mentions it um we really appreciate your support um and it's what makes it you know really all worthwhile for us but um you know they say it's hard to hit a moving target and and in alignment with that we're off tomorrow for um for Asheville what um why don't you share with everyone what we've got going in in Asheville North Carolina this week
1: well this is a star knowledge event so there's oh gosh, a lot of amazing speakers. Tricia McCannon's going to be there, and then we have the elders, the grandmothers, the chiefs, and you know, it's just a time of, you know, healing, raising our vibration, just sharing all sorts of things that'll just assist during this this shift time that we're in, and uh, we both have um, three days of presenting, plus some things that we're doing together, and some healing sessions that we'll be um, making available to people, so that's... That's really exciting. I'm I'm thrilled because I used to live in Asheville. I haven't been there in years, so
0: this will be fun. Believe it or not, I've never been to Asheville, so I'm quite excited about it. And like you said, the the Star Knowledge family, and and we say that you know directly from our hearts, um, is just so all encompassing and embracing, not just of what of what we do. But um, of everyone that that comes to the events, I mean, it's literally like going home to the family of choice.
1: (laughs) It is. It's a homecoming, that's for sure. So grateful to be a part of it.
0: Yeah, we're – it's – you know, I look at everything that we get to do, and um, it's – I just – it's like this constant feeling – of being blessed in in how our experience continues to show up for us.
1: And that's really what happens for anybody who's true to themselves, to their mission and um doesn't let anything stand in the way. You know, the universe really makes magic happen when people step up and uh, live live their role, live their dream, live their passion. So
0: God, I love to changes. hear you say I love to hear you say that. Stand in your truth, as your authentic self and then just hold on cuz the flow of, you know, your role in the universe just um is going to sweep you away and it does that to us and people look at what we do and they say, "How do you guys do this?" and it's like, "You know what? We get such a charge and we get so energized by it because truly it's what we're here for."
1: Yeah.
0: And so tonight what we're here for is Um, Another uh, really fun, um, uh, great opportunity for us to get some really important information out. And um, our guest tonight, we had the opportunity to meet at the Consciousness Beyond Chemtrails event um, in the last, it must be over a month now, so about a month, month and a half ago in Los Angeles. And um, our guest is Scott Stevens. And um, I had uh, I had the opportunity to um, to introduce him uh, at this conference, and um, I just loved it. I, I love Scott's energy, and I love the role uh, that he's here to play. He's an award-winning television weatherman who, a decade ago, a decade ago, began investigating the claims of Lieutenant Colonel Tom Bearden that in North America was being subjected to full-time weather modification. And during the course of that personal investigation, he was the first to discover the primary reason for the now global chemtrail phenomenon. So we're going to get into all of this, but during Scott's two-decade television career, he worked in Topeka, Kansas, Omaha, Nebraska, near and dear to my own heart, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Albany, New York, and Pocatello, Idaho. And he is a principal with blue water alchemy in the global project to bring about a shift of the human consciousness, in in concert with events surrounding 2012. And um, Laura, I know uh, you join me in really being um, honored that uh, that Scott's with us tonight. I introduce Scott Stevens.
2: I'm glad to be here with you with you two tonight. Thank you, thank you for having me. And it was exactly a month ago today that uh, that I spoke on stage, and probably Laura as well. So uh, yeah, the 18th.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Time is it did feel like it was over a month ago, but um, but but here we are. And and Scott, I've got to um, just ask you to start off with with a little bit of background. you know you are you are such a you you've taken this role of um activist and mm-hmm. and like just bringing awareness um to the masses through all the channels that you possibly can um did you ever think that that your life would be like that, or or did you come from some of the same programming that we all kind of got, and you were sort of starting to you know settle into a rut? Uh, what what happened that, that uh, snapped into all this? Well,
2: you know, I, I've always felt that there was something I I had to do, something big that I had to do. I've always kind of had that that antsiness within me, and I'll be honest with you: in the last three years that I was in television from oh uh, two to oh five i was bored and so i knew that there was something else coming i um, was and in the last year I was exceedingly bored um so I, I i was already ready to move the energy into something else um i was investigating free energy that's where i saw a, a huge need for humanity was for us to be free of, of the energy structure the way it is on this planet right now and that's when i came across lieutenant colonel bearden's work i was looking at his magnetic motors and energy from the vacuum the physics honestly was over my head but you know i was i was learning i was trying to comprehend and understand and it was on on his website that i came across one of one of the sidebars and then it was soviet weather engineering and that immediately had my attention this was probably 2000 and i was had been dealing with uh, the diminished forecast accuracy from uh, essentially late 1997 through 1999, and getting to the point of a bit of frustration. So I was already, be, you know, I'm 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 good. I'm a good weatherman, and forecasting the weather is not that hard. And so I just I was trying to figure out, you know, what's going on and this this little bit from Lieutenant Colonel Bearden just dropped in my lap, and that opened Pandora's box, if you will. And I was looking at some of the pictures that re- he was representing as, uh, as evidences of engineering the sky with resonance patterns and so forth. And so it, it wasn't but a couple of weeks later that I bought a digital camera. You know, bought it on eBay, spent 100 bucks, And I started to frame the sky from that point on. And when you begin to frame up objects, you begin to isolate anomalies, and then you begin to see patterning. You begin to train the brain to see patterning where previously there had been um, chaos. And that was that took some time to begin to see and uh, understand uh, relationships of the different cloud layers and, and so forth. But that began with photography for me. And uh, as I then was, you know, being pinged by the term chemtrail. And, you know, I was always into alternative media. You know, when you're in mainstream media, you know how much little of the story actually makes it to the air. You know, you could do this great piece. It's deserving of five minutes, and you get a minute 20. So there's lots that's left on the floor, on the editing floor, if you will. And so I was reading alternative media. And coming across chemtrail, and uh, when I would hit the site say Chemtrail Central or Barium Blues, or or Cardicom was on, was there. But he was more to the biologicals, and I was not happy to go down that there's red blood cells floating in the air, and and there's pathogens that have been released. I thought, why, why? It was it was it was a bridge too far for me at that point. And so I uh, I um, figured I, I could kind of figure this out. Um, and over 2002 to 2003, I saw more and more things in the sky and, and began to look at satellite imagery a little bit differently. And by early 2004, I was convinced that the large weather events were were maybe not wholly engineered, but man's fingerprint was, was big on these big weather events. And it wasn't until June of 2004 that I saw this satellite picture. It was a cold front in Montana and the clouds had this regular, regular, essentially they were sliced. It looked like sliced bread. And it was way too regular to for that kind of patterning to exist across mountain ranges. It just should not happen. And then there was this square cloud. And it wasn't the cloud I noticed, but its shadow that was cast because it was towards an early evening and on a summer day. And I look at that. I go, there's a square cloud. Look at that thing. In the middle of a Clear Valley over Billings, Montana. And then... You know, I kind of examined the rest of the wheat cool front, and there's this void in the cool front that matched perfectly in latitude that that, storm, that other cloud that was cut out. And it was 150 miles. It should have been 150 miles farther to the west. And so I had this whole aha moment where my stomach just sank and my worldview changed. And I realized that from what I was seeing with this picture, that the weather had been digitized. That little zones, little And they were able of of stimulating weather in these individual zones to conform to whatever they wanted. Now, as a weatherman, then what are you forecasting? That explained why I and the guys back in Washington, D.C., trying to get get a grip on these Pacific storms in the late 90s, were having such a tough time. Because time after time, they would issue a low confidence forecast and that was you know we were constantly being hit with that and if the guys in dc with all of their tools or silver springs maryland is where they are can't you know give us guys in the field guidance then what good are they what good are they you know and mm-hmm. I, I can read the models i can do that as well and so that's that was kind of what brought me to to where i am and once you once you have your worldview changed how do you not share that how do you not
1: right So my question is, what did your colleagues have to say about this, and what were the discussions amongst, you know, others in your field, and, you know, how did they react to your worldview change?
2: I don't know that I immediately shared it with them um, because I I knew it it was a big change, and I was still kind of adjusting to it as well and still being pinged with the chemtrail verbiage. I was beginning to see them in the sky, but I didn't know, why they were there so uh, i remember one guy uh he was up at kidk which is the cbs affiliate his name was Ken moscow and i began to introduce him to bearden's work and and shared some pictures and he recognized that there was something unusual um but he couldn't go any farther than that when i would take trips out to the weather service um either for, for severe weather training or or bringing uh Cub Scouts or school classes, you know, going out there so they could get a tour, you know, that that kind of mentoring thing, um, you know, I would take them aside and, and point them anomalies on on the satellite imagery. And they would kind of look at it and scratch their cheek and chin and go, I've never looked at, the, at, at things this way before. And that's kind of as far as it gets. And I figure all I could do is plant the seed. And if they know to begin to look for things – then it's up to them and their own curiosity to look for them, and it's the one thing that I couldn't get done to me by the, by all the chemtrail sites I was visiting, is um, essentially the admission that something is real. That that conversion has to be a very personal thing, and so you you put the work out there, and you let it be, and you let them come along. So that um, when, a, when a meteorologist or a weather person or a storm watcher or a storm chaser wants to look into this, that there's relevant, intelligent, sanely written material presented for them instead of the, the hyperbole, which is all I could find. It was just hyperbole, and it was very easy to, to dismiss. And um, so I, I, there's some reception, and I know every single newsroom in this country multiple, if not many times, is hit with this issue. I know that's happening now. It was just beginning when I was on the air in, in 2005, but I know it's happening now. And so this is this is a word and a term and a potential that they're all aware of. And I know somebody is going to 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 say, hey, I see this too. I see that something is unusual. This is odd. I know that day is coming. I just don't know who and when and where. That's kind of the fun of it all.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that you call that the fun of it all.
2: <laughs> well, well, it is. W- when is this not a game? This is an exercise. This reality is an <laughs> exercise. And um, you know, it's it's okay to get stretched and, and get your muscles sore now and again. It's, um that's good for us? It's how we grow. That's how we grow. Absolutely,
0: yeah. So, <laughs> Scott, tell us, tell us about this this game of chemtrails. You've had 10 years to, you know, really focus on it, to really yeah. um, immerse yourself in it. And I'm sure, you know, where you were at with it, uh, you know, nine, eight, seven years ago is a lot different than where you are today. So kind of give us, um, give us a sort of timeline and, and, and where, where it's brought you in this 10-year process.
2: Well, when I first started uh, seeing the pictures, uh, I w- thought it's it's explainable. You know, the, the parcel of air that the stream of air is moving, and the planes are just regularly flying through them. There has to be a minimum separation between aircraft, and so you know the the parcel of air, the jet stream, has moved said distance between the intervaled flights. You know, that was a way to for me to you know dismiss it. Um, then there were the uh the mega tanker spray, which was uh like a DC nine type aircraft with a full wing colored spray uh that Clifford Carnicom had on his site going back to nineteen ninety eight. And I thought that was unusual. Um but everything I was reading was saying it was a it was a kill device. It was all about poisoning the population, poisoning the environment. Uh, there's much simpler ways to do that. You know, if you <laughs> unleash a flu unleash something that's that's rapid kill. If you really want a reduction of population, do it that way. And so I I I kind of dismissed all of that as, as as just kind of again it's too fantastical. Um and as I had my epiphany in, in June of two thousand four with seeing that square cloud, I began to figure how do how do I improve my forecast? How do I stand in front of an audience and not have to give a a mea culpa for for throwing out a bad snow forecast you know why didn't the storm develop because i had many of those many of those and after i was aware of the modification i could step outside you know 2 a.m in the morning when the snow should have started five hours ago and all i would hear was planes in eastern idaho low and slow and then i could see that there was no definition in the clouds and i could actually see the stars through them And on the infrared satellite imagery that everybody uses on TV, these warming holes would show up. And if that warming hole shows up then and there, then I have to kiss the storm goodbye. We get an inch of snow tops. The mountains may get three to four when they should have had eight to 15. And so then I've got to like, all right. And then I, I got to the point where I started explaining that. But to get that better forecast for the audience, I decided I need to spend a little money. And so I, I bought four cameras, two webcams and two little mini D V cameras, all via Firewire, and bought two little little microcomputers and then some time lapse software. And I just started surveillance. And what I was after was to see if the clouds were doing something that I could anticipate. When they were when they would fall apart, what would be the impulse, what would be the hit that would cause that disruptive behavior. So when I'm now casting or dealing with thunderstorms, that I could recognize that happening with an inbound thunderstorm. So you don't want to tell the kids to, to, to leave a pool or, or clear a golf course or, you know, clear, you know, clear parks if a storm's not going to make it there. You know, it's just unnecessary. And, uh, or close school for snow. And so those were kind of things I was learning. And so the first cameras went up in in January of 5. By April, middle of April 2005, I caught on a relatively clear April afternoon. In fact, there were very few clouds in the sky. Um, About eight flights over the course of of about 12 minutes. And only one of those flights left a trail of some duration. The rest of them were relatively short, meaning they, they faded away in 12 to 20 seconds. And this one segment of the trail that persisted was immediately investigated by two other flights. One hit the very end and one went right through the middle. And that's when the light went off. Like these are flights of surveillance. These trails glow, persist, fluoresce, you know, made it made it remain visible for a reason and for a set amount of time. And that duration of persistence Gives them data as to what the atmosphere is doing, whether they're measuring temperature, whether they're ma- uh, measuring lift or, or downward motion, whether it's uh, humidity or whether it's uh, the life force of the organ of the atmosphere. Um, those were all variables that these trails could quantify, could measure, and the simple, uh, the simple evidence that, that came with you know what has become years of time lapse imagery is that these planes, even the short trail ones. Are displaying an intent with relationship to atmospheric phenomena, and most importantly, what other persistent trails are demonstrating and how they fade away. They fade with with, sometimes with gaps, sometimes they'll smear, sometimes they'll tear, sometimes they'll auger. But all of that behavior is revealed by the trails being there. And so it was just a what I came to understand was that there's this whole ballet in the sky. This ballet just goes on and on and on. And you need, like a, a, f- a football game, you need you know tackles, you need safeties, you need quarterbacks. You need these things. You need this data to, um, to help the weathermakers accomplish their goals. It's just a must. And so uh, I think the biggest fr- thing I have to deal with frustration-wise is people seeing the little trails and saying, no, you know, those are, those are contrails. And I Mm -hmm. call BS. It's BS. It's all data. And I think the airlines have been wholly, um, I don't know, compromised, every one of them. We've seen too many aircraft crashes that could easily be used to submit these airlines into participating in these programs. You know, the people that do this, death is not an issue. Collateral is not a problem They 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 have a problem with. So I think uh, we have rather dark forces that um, <clears throat> that we see evidence of in the sky every day. Because the one thing I'd love to see is this planet get her breath back. She, you know, she she would like to rain on the droughted areas. She would like to, you know, she would like to do what she needs to do to, to keep her healthy, and she's not being able to do that right now.
0: Right. So, yeah. So Scott, I've just got yeah. one follow up to to this part yeah. of the. What you said now, now, just clarify what you were just saying about the airline crashes and and the airlines
2: well well why 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 would delta why would Southwest, why would Frontier, Pan Am or any of these other airlines knowingly do this to their workers, to their families to you know to the planet? I think we've had too many staged events. The big one for me that kind of opened this door to me was the Chilean earthquake. That one that was, what, two and a half years ago. And after that event, the chemtrails began to show up in South America. So I think we have uh, powers that be will essentially browbeat a nation into submission to allow them access to their skies, to their weather, Otherwise, you you have you know drought in Iran, you have you know famine and Arctic and and all kinds of all kinds of calamity in North Korea, and it's because these nations remain or have tried to remain independent, but this technology gives them gives gives the Western powers reach beyond borders, and so I think airlines have been subjected to to crashes and saying hey you want to stay in business? Do you go on, want to go under? Do you want to have to deal with this on a regular basis? Do you want people not, not to want to fly your airline because of your safety record? You know, they can blame it on whatever. They can blame the crash on whatever. It doesn't matter. You know, those, those kind of findings are, you know, who brought down uh, JFK Jr.'s plane. You know, we've had so many plane crashes with important people on them that uh, a plane crash is an easy thing to do. And so airlines not wanting to do this have likely been pushed into submission at this program. And I think most of the airlines, because they have passengers on board, they have to be a destination in a certain amount of time. They cannot divert to go investigate what a chemtrail over, over you know, not 30 degrees off to the left is doing, you know, 80, 80 miles away. They can't do that kind of zigzagging around the sky. So I think those kind of planes – The commercial craft probably get a manifest that shows up, you know, a week, two weeks, three weeks, a month ahead of time. And so, say, a Delta flight from Pittsburgh to to Dallas has a cargo that's going to show up, and they have to carry it. The thing weighs 15,000 pounds when it's loaded and weighs 1,800 pounds when it's offloaded. And they have to figure that into their weight and balance. And the other, and I believe there's another fleet, this one probably completely drone related and flown by artificial intelligence. It's the only thing that makes sense. The complexity of this game is you've got uh, numerous satellites in space, largely Honeywell, uh, run out of Schreiber Air Force Base in Colorado Springs. Then I've had a guy said, I work there. So we know that's where they have low, mid and high orbit birds based. And From space, they can see what all the different layers of the atmosphere are doing. If you're leaving strontium in the, in the bottom, you know, 18,000 feet, you've got barium between 18 and 28,000 feet, and you've got, um, you, know, uh, uh, you know, another mixture higher up, and then you run one mixture north and south, another one east and west, you know, then you can see how these grids deform in real time, much like putting graph paper made of powder in a stream, and you see how that graph powder deforms. And then this powder can then be used to essentially get a grip on aspects of the atmosphere. And I really believe the organ is a huge part of this. This chi, this life force of the planet, is the tool. It's got to be the tool. Anything else is going to be too expensive and too complicated. It's it's like shocking a cow with an electric shock to do what you want. And I think that's what part of the chemtrails and why their composition is the way it is, is so it gives them an electromagnetic grip on the atmosphere. And when I look at satellite imagery, especially the visible imagery, you'll see holes, perfect holes everywhere. Some are very large, 40, 50 miles across, and some are half a mile across. And I think with these holes, they're able to grab and bend the ley lines. And then the water molecule can't help but flow along these magnetic lines. And they use these trails to help align where the holes are going to manifest. And then they they move them from one grid to the next grid to the next grid. And so we have, in my opinion, a program that is exceedingly advanced and probably not human in origin. I think it began, I had had a, 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 a man sent me some pictures from 1957 and the and he did, he took pictures the morning it was Labor Day weekend he's up in the Adirondacks and he took this picture I actually took three and they were so amazing uh, the, the the contrails were so amazing he's like I had to take a picture of this so it was apparently something that he had not seen before and when he when he when I looked at them I'm like ah chemtrail because where the brand new fresh trail crossed a previous trail showed one of those. Uh, the trail essentially faded after. Well, it, where you had the acts of the trails, the old trail faded right after that. So there was just some precision to that flight. So I, I'm thinking that something happened in the 50s. Knowledge was was essentially dictated to to. Who, and this goes to Laura's work. What happened? What happened? You know, under Eisenhower. Things happen then that we're still dealing with today, and in a big way. And so I think that's, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. So so much of this, you know, people want to lay in the 90s and early 80s, but I think we're, we're rewinding things back to the 50s. It has to be.
1: Yeah, it seems to even have originated before that, because the treaties with the great alien technologies took place, you know, before even the Second World War, and it's just been snowballing. So my question to you is, um, where do you see this all going? I mean, what do you think, if if they were to pull off this agenda, where do you think we're all going to be? Because, you know, after seeing the movie The Hunger Games and just seeing sort of this (laughs) virtual reality that has, you know, ultimate control, I keep flashing into that movie thinking, oh, my gosh, is this what it's all about? What are your thoughts?
2: I don't think that's going to happen. I know that's not going to happen. Um, partly, I have to I have to defer to to, to some of Don's visions that you you met uh, when we were at, in Los Angeles last month. That he has had some amazing ones since. Um, the, the, the twelve becomes thirteen. He was shown that. He was shown that a week ago tomorrow. Twelve becomes you thirteen. Think if, if
1: but do you think if we, if we were out of the picture and they were just to get away with it, that's the reality that they're trying to create is something similar well, to the Hunger Games? I,
2: I suppose what could happen is that we have a timeline split. And, and people who are left behind who need to have that kind of experience, then then they will. Uh, but I think there is going to be a split. And and an aspect of humanity is going to move on and not be concerned with those kind of things. And I think there, there is a vast majority of the population that has to. That has to. They have to for their own karma's sake. They have to learn these lessons. They have to have these experiences. This life hasn't been intense enough, hasn't been painful enough for them to want to move through the need to blame, the need to the need to be a victim. It hasn't been intense enough. So they may have a Hunger Games kind of experience. But I think there's those that will not have to. They've learned the lesson, they've come here to teach, they've come here to show the way. And they're not bound to stay in in, in, in a karmic thread with the others. So I think we're going to have a timeline split. And that's, that's what brilliant. I, yeah, and I think that's what's that's what's been shown to Dawn and and it that's what feels right to me. So um, I, I mean,
1: totally agree, I feel that too. Yeah,
2: I mean, there's there's no need. There's no need for most of us to go through that. Well, may, maybe I shouldn't say most of us, because <laughs> there's probably a large majority that, uh, well, according to Mitt Romney, the 47%. So, uh, you know, it's I think there's beautiful things coming. Um, the sun will do something. The sun will change. That's another vision Don has had is that we'll come to a day when we all know the sun is going to change. And in his vision, we all sit on a, western, a western-facing western hill, and the sun is this golden, glowing, beautiful thing, but we all know when it comes up next time it'll be different. The world will change. And I think that will be the last, well, he, he calls it his last sunset dream. Um, and from that, then who knows what we wake up into. But we will wake up that that uh-huh. uh, that, uh, that i know we will we will wake up that's beautiful so um yeah i uh, dwight did your your grandfather went through a lot and i um you know i applaud him for his that last speech he gave you know warning us warning us and i don't think we grasp the uh, the gravity of what he was trying to express except in hindsight you know and um I think if Kennedy had been allowed to live out his life, that'd affect the changes he wanted to change, that I would not have had to been born. Many of us would not have right. had to have been born on this planet. And we're here in service. We're here in service.
1: Mm. Gosh, I'm just filled so. with goosebumps. Everything you've just said is, <laughs> wow, it's so incredible. Like,
2: well, <laughs> well, it's so strange. My dad, My my, my dad. I, we were living in a little town. We were living in Gallup, New Mexico, and I was probably in third grade. He took us to the library twice a week to, to read. You know, and I, I loved to read. And uh, I, I remember going home, and it was uh, it was it was November, and it was the anniversary of, uh, of his assassination. And when I heard that the first time, I cried, and I don't know why. I don't know why that had such an impact on me. And. Um, you know, he was just kind of an idol. Then I was born in 66, so I was, you know, it was three years after that. So it's like there's something that didn't get to fruition. You know, the the movement, the awakening, the, the hippie movement, the, you know, all of this could have happened. So many things could have happened. And it didn't get to. And so it took an army of us to come in to get it done. An army. And they can't kill, you know, all of us. It's not possible we'll win, we will win
0: <laughs> no question about it
2: <sighs> Scott, so, um,
0: what's, um, yeah what's the in in your estimation, what's the purpose of Bill Gates coming out um i guess earlier this year and saying that he's funding weather modification and chemtrails what what's the point of that and 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 you know what is that move trying to do I to think us?
2: I don't think he's aware of what's really going on. I think he's got. You know, I don't think he's been fully briefed. I really don't. I think the man has resources. I think, as I do, um, I, I had a discussion on the phone with a guy today. Who was very familiar with Wilhelm Reich's work, who had met James Trevor Constable, and James Trevor Constable was leaned on heavily by the government to withdraw his his activism in this in, in, in engineering with with Oregon Energy, and I think I I would like to do geoengineering. I would like to, to to make it rain in the valley here that's been so dry for so many years. I would like to do these things. So I can see where Bill Gates wants to do the right thing. I think he's clueless to the fact that so much is already being done and the depth and and, and length of time that the programs have been in existence. I think he's ignorant of that. You know, if they're not going to brief the president on UFOs, they're certainly not going to brief um, Bill Gates on some of these things. So him standing up and saying, I I want to do these things, I see the planet – you know, coming apart at the seams, I see the drought, I see the floods, I see that we need the Green Revolution to turn back the time on Monsanto and go back to, you know, honestly, a more agrarian society. I think he feels that, that he has the means to effect change. And so I I think he's been kind of, Kind of goaded by his his advisors and his investment guys, he, this is where you're going to make money. You're going to make money in water. You're going to make money in seeds, because the planet is on on this perpetual path of warming, which it's not. And so I think he's he's been duped. I really think he's been duped. And you know he he, he wants to probably retire and deploys fifty billion in a way that will you know leave him in a, a legacy that he would like to be worthy of. But I don't know if he knows what's really going on. I really don't think he does, and he may be aware of chemtrails. But I haven't read an article that convinced has convinced me that he does. So that I'm not
0: that he's aware they, of what's
2: really going on. Yeah, I, I really don't think he is. I really don't. You know, maybe maybe finances, maybe that there's going to be some earth changes. He may know that, but you know, they, they, these guys never lay out all their cards. They never, and and that's just that's just how they are. Deception is first. Deception is first, and then false pretenses to get to get you to meet with them. And so I, I really, you know, I, I have empathy for him. I really do. I really do. Because he's okay, he's walked so, a lot of money. All <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> um. So so, who, who we, who are the they?
2: Well my my quick response is, who could afford it? Who could afford it and when you have when you have this shadow banking system that is in the quadrillions of dollars, you know thirty million dollars for a plane is nothing, neither is three hundred million dollars for a plane. If you don't have to to fly them with you know pilots aboard, everything's drone and computer driven then you you're not going to deal with a lot of secrets um, so we're dealing with those who it's a military industrial complex. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. There, though, I, I can hear a plane outside now. He's uh, windows just cracked, and he's low enough that he's pretty. He's pretty loud, you know. And, and there's something here where we are in Southern Colorado energetically that they're very, very interested in. All kinds of flights come here all day and night. We probably deal with three, three to four hundred a day. There's something happening under this valley or in these mountains that they can't quite figure out. When the lights in the sky show up, the jets come in. So there's something going on. There's 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 another energy that they can't contain, they can't anticipate, and how it has them outsmarted and outwitted? And it's it's kind of fun to watch it all happen. <laughs> so I um they is the they will never really. I don't know if we'll ever have names on them. I, I really don't know. Um, I'm curious about. uh, if we want to rewind the clock on this thing, um, there is this. Uh, an, uh, I, I'm not sure who runs it. I think it's the Space Weather Center. It's a solar wind forecast program or, or operation, and it's called ENLIL. E N L I L. If you Google ENLIL, or even huh. get into Zachary Sitchin's work, then huh. we're talking about the Lord of the Storm, Lord of the Wind. You know, he is he is the one in charge of Project Earth from the Anunnaki. And so, you know, I, I know there's Anunnaki on the planet. I and mean, they they walk the halls of the Pentagon. So what I'm thinking is that this weather, quote-unquote, program or technology is ancient. I think it's very ancient. And if they have supposedly been on this planet for not quite a half a million years, who's to say it isn't 400,000 years old or 200,000 years old? And so let's say the greys are recent arrivals. And let's say the Anunnaki are somewhat more evolved and understand karma and understand letting a being or a group of beings have their experience. And that's part of love is allowance. So you step back and allow your children their experience. If they want to make a deal with the devil, you have to let them live it out. So maybe the grays have come along and see what this planet has, see the technologies that's here, and they've leveraged it. They've turned it against the planet. They've turned it against humanity for their own selfish gains. That's just kind of where I am thinking, this, how old this is. Because I think... Um, yeah, go ahead, Laura.
1: Oh, yeah, no, keep going. I I, I just have a question that's <laughs> related to what you're saying.
2: Yeah, I, I just... Because uh, I... I I think what what I'm seeing is too advanced for mankind as as we were in, the, in in our recent history in the last two generations. It's too evolved. It's too technical. It displays too much knowledge of, of the etheric and the spiritual forces. So I think we ha- we've got something that's that's very old, very old.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, would you say that you feel this this agenda is a direct t- attack on you know the feminine, you know the divine mother? just Gaia herself, or more just, you know, an attempt to control um, humanity?
2: I, I don't think you can really separate the two, you know, because we, yeah. we, everything that's in our body comes from this planet, except for the point of consciousness that animates us. So I think humanity has a decision day coming. We have a D-Day, and they want us in victimhood, They want us hungry, they want us unemployed, they want us in debt, they want us helpless. And when you're concerned with those base conditions, how do you feed your kids? What am I going to do for a job? The last thing you're thinking about is an evolution of the species, an ascension moment. That's not where you are. And so you have this vast reservoir of humanity, this soul energy trapped and at your beck and call, conditioned to respond to fear that is the immediate response is fear and then when something glorious comes along you crucify it because that's what we always do so i think this is just one ratcheting of the noose around humanity some will slip away and others will fall prey and that's the allowance and i and i think that's why that's why this planet is literally on the verge of a biosphere collapse so we can't thrive
1: mhm and and then it it goes into this transhumanism agenda where there's nanoparticles and how this is getting into our bodies, changing us from the inside out and almost plugging us into this artificial intelligence and I absolutely agree with you because I feel we can neutralize those effects if we're highly conscious yep. but You know, what are your thoughts on all these other things besides the chemtrails when it comes to the nanoparticles, when it comes to just the mind control and the media? I mean, do you see how – do you see all these dots connecting, or do you see it, you know, all kind of isolated over here and over there?
2: No, 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 no. everything's connected. There is is nothing that's disconnected, Um, except that I don't watch a lot of TV anymore. I just don't feel the need. Um, And this is why your essential oils are important, and this is why our Ormus is important. Because we need to keep the body's genetics from drifting. We need to keep the body in a state of vibration. So these technologies, these nano things or other, cannot get a hold of us. They cannot eat us out from the DNA outside. We have 12 strands coming, and we need to be open and receptive to that energy when it arrives. Our neurotransmitters need to be available to integrate that information, that light. That history, that future, we have to be able to be open and, do, and to do that. This is where the fear agenda comes in. If something's too good to be true, it's okay. It's okay for something too good to be true. That can happen. But we've, we have been so conditioned for generation upon generation, and this is what we're going to have to slip out of and and so every, yeah everything's connected um i struggle with the morgellons disease i i have great great sympathy for those dealing with that um and you know and there, there's so much else there's so much else that's just the sickness that's just a function of our society and we don't need to be sick i saw a beautiful movie a french movie last night called the beautiful green it's in subtitles and you can get the full full version on youtube the, the beautiful green and it It opens with a meeting on another planet, and it's a meeting of of maybe a 1,000 or two people, but it's their their semi-annual planet meeting. And they decide which planets they're going to go to. And they can, with thought, you know, go to other planets and teach and learn and do recon, and they've been through the industrial age, they've been through the age of automobiles, they've been through computers, and they just live a very different way. And they dropped into Paris, France, into a, Onto a street, and just they could deprogram people and reset their programming, and it was hilarious to see people be reset and how they had everything that was so important, all of their attachments stripped away. It's like they're bare and could start anew. And I think there's an energy coming that will strip people's programming away, and I think in popular media that has been illustrated as zombies. And for others, they will they will move into a very different consciousness, and others will become nothing more than animals with their base desires running rampant because their filters will be gone. So I don't know why I went there, but it was uh, oh, it's awesome. Yeah, the, yeah, the beautiful green. It was uh, suggested to us over the weekend, and so we we uh, we watched it last night, and uh, it was hilarious, insightful, and and very very relevant for today. Oh, so, I want to see uh, it. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's worth the ninety minutes. Absolutely worth the ninety minutes, and and, and working through the subtitles. But um, you know, I, something beautiful is coming. I know it, and I have full faith in that. And so I've I've learned that we just have to see the sky for what it is, and see that there is still beauty there. There is still a beauty there. It's something that after the change won't be there anymore. So we kind of have to just take it in and. And, you know, it is what it is. And it is exactly what we as a civilization need to get through. Otherwise, it wouldn't be here. Everything is perfect. And so when we can detach from our judgments about what should be or shouldn't be, then we can see the beauty in that. And that will allow us Mm -hmm. to welcome an age that will come that will just be, that will just bring us to tears. It will be so beautiful.
1: Oh, my gosh. No. I'm so happy you're saying all this. I'm just loaded with goosebumps, and I actually had a dream about that when I was a child. So, anyway, <laughs> it's
2: great. No, it, it is. It's coming. It's in our future. It's in our future past. <laughs> so you had a dream about that?
1: Yeah, I did. I did. it, And actually, yeah, something um, informed me that the future is going to be so beautiful, it'll make you cry. So the fact that you said the exact same thing just threw me into a whole nother chill, just like, oh, yeah. oh my gosh. And just you know, oh, this yeah. preparation and just and just how you say no judgment and just to embrace it and to just be just stepping it up and I, I just I love your words, so
2: yes. Well that's all we can do. We can see where it doesn't fit, but does it really not fit? This is not I mean, in so many ways it's perfect. It's a symptom of our society. It's a symptom of where we are. It's just an indicator. And so we have to see it for that and only that. And then we can we can acknowledge it that it has taught me, it has moved me to, I wouldn't be here talking to you and to your audience if there weren't chemtrails in the sky. I wouldn't have this venue. I wouldn't have been in Los Angeles. And I wouldn't have met you a month ago. That wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have met so many people from around the world if that hadn't happened, if those chemtrails weren't there. So there have been some beautiful things because of that and what I've been able to do with my life. And one of my prayers has been to be able to, to speak for us, to speak for humanity, to, to plead our case. Because we are a beautiful race and we have so much potential. And in each and every one of us is that perfect spot that is always unsoiled. And if we can pull away these filters, if we can raise these children without that shit then this hue this planet is going to glow like it has never glowed, and I think I, I know that's going to come, because I think as soon as we as we take away the programming and we take away money, then these things can unha- these things can unfurl. It will happen. It's just the good will always reset. The compass will always point that way, if you just choose to look at it. It points the right um. way.
0: Wow, Scott, I gotta I've gotta tell you that from from the moment I met you I, I really felt um a deep resonance with you and everything that you've been saying right now is validating exactly what that resonance is yeah. resonance is and that is this perspective you have I don't come into contact with so much, particularly in you know, talking about chemtrails and everything else—it's normally, you know, a much heavier thing. Here you are; it's the game and talking about all the beauty of all that is. Yeah. And um, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm honored that uh, that we we did connect with you a month ago, and that yeah. that we are able to have you, you know, on this broadcast tonight because you know you you hold the frequency and you hold the torch. Um, just like Laura and I do with with our mission and our path um and so it it begs the answer to this question you know and you're're you 're you're out there a lot you're you, um, from Carrie Cassidy to all these other programs and shows and and you're you 're going all over the place and you're you 're speaking up and and you 're sharing this what What response are you getting back first of all, what response are you getting back from? the attendees and, and the people watching the YouTube videos and things like that. And then also, I mean, you're you're vocal, and you're obviously not holding back. Have you been approached by anyone no. from the no. other no. side?
2: No. no, no, no. I've never had I, – I, the worst I've had is Russian hackers taking down my site repeatedly, um, ha- and that's why I don't do a whole – that's really why I don't do a whole lot on, on my website, weatherwars.info anymore. I just yeah, – I can't keep it secure you know, so I've I've left some things up there, and and it just, it is, I don't, I don't enliven them too much, you know, I do that with my YouTube channel and Facebook page, Um, all I'm out there to do is is help, if, if people, and this is where I was, if you understand what's happening, you can integrate it into your worldview, that's simple, that's simple, you can understand it for what it is, rather than some big scary thing, granted, if you've got a tornado, you know, hunkering down on you, that can be a little scary, but that's you know, that's your karma. You've chosen to live in a, in, a, in a two by six house out of the prairie. I'm sorry, you need to be <laughs> underground. You know, we, we 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 spent two trillion on housing that was utterly insane, 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 insane over the last twenty years. It deserves to be wiped away. I hate to say. Um, you know, I, I I'm just here to give hope, and and uh, for people to know that there is something beyond this. This is an illusion. This reality is an illusion. This whole pinda, this whole physical realm is an illusion and is always subject to disillusion. So don't get attached to anything. Not a thing. Not your spouse, not your car, not your house, not your physical body. Do not get attached or it will bite you in the butt. And, and it will be your own pain. It will be your own pain. And and source is loving enough to let you have the experience to learn the lesson so you know it's just you know there's hope there's hope there's more than hope there's a future and it is bright and as you said laura it is glorious beyond our ability to imagine and everybody's future will be perfect for each and every one of us as you know, every thought is 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 kept in our in, in, in the mental realm. Every thought we have, every desire we have, and and quote unquote God is loving enough to give you all of your desires. So be careful what you desire for, because it isn't always what you need. So, um, yeah. Mm, I hear that one.
1: <laughs> I am so yeah, incredibly inspired. I'm just sit- I'm sitting here with my jaw like to the floor, just like. Just so moved by you, I can barely even come up with another question. I'm just like, wow, <laughs> wow. I mean, this is exactly what people need to hear, and it's just so incredible, especially coming from your field and, you know, stumbling upon this and just being such a brave voice. And oh. and I'm just curious what what kind of childhood you had. Were you very psychic? Were you, um, you know, very no. connected to nature? Because there's such an incredible affinity, it seems, you have with, with Mother Earth.
2: I was... Um, <laughs> I was conceived up in Yellowstone on wedding night, um, and so I was born just you know five days shy of no, uh, my parents' nine month nine month anniversary. Um, and, and it's funny because Dad died up in the Tetons on a night of the per- Perseid meteor shower in two thousand, with this incredible Northern Lights display going on, unreal. And I was so ecstatic that he was he was up at ten thousand feet with the Boy Scouts getting to see this see this display in the sky, but he was actually dying. He had passed. So that was kind of crazy. But I grew up Mormon, um, lived in Idaho, Utah, New Mexico. I was the first of seven kids. And, uh, you know, it was. I, I liked Boy Scouts. I liked fiddling, you know, going to the junkyard and taking apart cars, you know, dashboards so I could play with autometers. So numbers have always been kind of a thing and how things how things kind of work together. I, I enjoyed gardening and I liked fire and playing with water. I um, had my... Bedroom wall from about eighth grade on, you know, covered with weather maps, fax maps from the local TV station. I befriended the weatherman there, and so I got all kinds of fax maps. And I would, you know, look at maps and design, or I would design continents and watersheds and where I'd put the mountains and the oceans and, you know, that that kind of thing. So you know, it was a little odd. I. I always liked playing with model airplanes and building planes and going to sitting at the end of airport runways and, you know, watching them come and go. Um, I'd gotten to the point where I wanted to get into the Air Force when I was in, in high school because um, I thought I just I wanted to be around planes. And then it, it honestly wasn't until the second semester of my freshman year of college at KU at Kansas that i decided it was going to be meteorology um i was either going to take a, an air traffic control test and, and do that or or going to business school and, and it really wasn't until i had my first meteorology class that i was all right i'm here i'm going to do this and that was even after working in tv um for a year as a while as a senior in high school you know kind of being mentored by 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 the weatherman and so the weather just the weather just came the weather just came but um I fell in love with astronomy when I was twelve. The parents bought me a, a, little, a little telescope, and thank God, Dad was a science teacher at school, so I could, you know, put the little telescope away and, and get the nice one from school and have it over the summers. And I spent that that next year, you know, saving all my money so I could buy a bigger telescope. And that's just been another fascination with me is the stars. So, you know, I, I suppose it wasn't typical, but it was it was a good childhood for me. It was a really good childhood um parents were 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 beautiful my beautiful parents and that's a gift that's a gift you know it wasn't until i learned how many kids dealt with abuse and absent fathers you know i was really kind of delusional i thought everybody had good parents but that isn't the case that is the case and so i think that's really important for 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 dads is to be present for your kids really be present for your sons and daughters really be present that's just too important
1: Oh, absolutely! So. so much, yes.
2: Well,
0: well yeah, yeah. Kudos <laughs> to your to your parents for um, yeah. uh, the amazing environment uh, that they provided for you, and yeah. and yeah. you reflect that that love and that hope and and that deep compassion um, yeah. so beautifully for all of us.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I go ahead. No, I was just going to say that's what's missing is compassion. Compassion for, for mm. your fellow human beings. We really we've got a long ways to go with that one, and I think that's one of the things big Earth change events are going to bring about is compassion for one another, and, and and to show us that we're all in this together, and we need, but we we don't progress without helping one another. You can go only so far on your own, and then you're going to have to look around for help. And I think that's a big big lesson us, especially in the Americas, are are going to deal with, and that's not probably not that far away. So um, I, I welcome that experience. So we can evolve. So we can evolve. Right.
0: So Scott, in in line with compassion, and we're all in this together. Um, let's speak to the issue of uh, Morgellons and and why some people are you know showing you know absolute signs of of this affecting them on on the deepest physical levels and. Others of us, um, you know, not at all. speak of aren't really.
2: Um, I, I have to come back to karma. You know, we've all had health issues to some degree or another. Um, I've had HIV for 20 years, you know, and, and I'm still here. I have something to do. I have a job. I have a task. You know, so that has been my karma. That is some lesson, some experience in the past that I've had to burn off. And so, you know, how you treat your physical body directs reflect uh, directly reflect is reflected in your health and you know if if you want to eat doritos if you want to drink sodas if you want to drink diet sodas you got stuff coming to you you if you don't respect the body temple you're not going to have it for very long And that's really what's missing is people's respect for themselves and until that happens our life expectancy will begin to leak back down into the 60 year range below that's just how it's going to be, and so people really need to take responsibility for their own well-being, and that starts emotionally and mentally, and then also with with what you bring into your body. If it's constantly acidic and sweet foods, then things disease manifests, and sometimes very quickly. If if your mental realm is is toxic, is is, is always down on yourself, is always degrading, it is not uplifting, and and we see that everywhere on this planet it's everywhere and so this is, goes back into us you know kind of contemplating what kind of society we are headed into into the end of this year you know we are, are we sickly are we poor you know and, and if your body is not operating at optimum efficiency if your pineal is plugged out if you have these little crawly things coming, coming out of your skin you're not going to be in a condition to participate In this evolvement, you're stuck in your karma. You're stuck in your lessons. And so there's a lot of things that we have to let go of. There's a lot of baggage we all have to leave in the war room, if you will, because we don't have to fight. That's a choice. We can let go of these things, and then we can move forward very quickly without the baggage.
1: Just just
2: as a follow-up to that,
0: Scott, what um, you know for someone that's that's pulling these fibers out of their skin yeah, or the yeah. bugs, all these things that I heard about at the uh, at the conference, yeah. what can what can these people do now if they are you know aware or conscious enough to to yeah. make another choice? I mean, you talked about well, the illusion being able to like deillusion. Um, you know what's available to to assist. Yeah these people that we've heard all these stories about and it's just heart-wrenching
2: we've had success with the ormus with our blue water alchemy ormus the milk and honey particular is very potent in pushing pushing these things out when you go to something smaller than these nanofibers when you go to the monatomic level like the ormus is it begins to drive these critters out and we've had patient after patient after patient you know come back come back for more and at this point when you if you're really sickly, you be careful. You be careful. A teaspoon is enough. Otherwise, you, you can run into a Herx, Herxheimer crisis. You've got to be, be careful with this stuff. But it does begin to push them out of the body. And when that happens, the DNA begins to repair itself. The alkalization of the body resumes. Your appetites change. And that's so important is that your appetites change. And then your thought processes become more centered. And when you go through that wholesale change, then you don't have a foothold situation where these 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 diseases can come aboard. And so that's 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 what I can offer. That's what I can offer. And uh, the milk oh, and I honey have... is potent. In the... Go for it. Oh,
1: the milk and honey. Excuse me, Laura. Yeah.
2: Yeah, milk and honey is just straight dead sea salt. The white light brings in some of the other other elements, so it's a little more broad-based. The milk and honey is the most potent. The white white light tends to be the favorite, though, of the people. It brings their funny bone back. It brings their ability to write. It brings their cognitive abilities back. It brings their ability to dream back. So um, those are all things that uh, we all desperately need in this day and age, is our ability to, to dream and remember our dreams.
1: And that's what's so incredible because you're not just speaking out, you have solutions. You have, you know, something that people can, you know, connect with and, and, and ingest and, and, you know, raise their frequency on all different levels. And we, we posted your uh, link um, on the on the radio page, so I'm sure a lot of people will be checking that out. My question <laughs> to you is what, what – I, I know you mentioned this in your talk, and uh, just for the audience because I know that this word has been floating around – what are silts, and do you, how much do you think Mother Earth is combating this, um, these, these chemtrails, just energetically, just with her own natural forces?
2: Well, the silts have been something I've I've seen, but have kind of thought, ah, that's very real. That's very real. You know, I'm a weatherman. I we don't have to deal with the fairies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> seriously, that was that was my logic for a while. Um, but they're amazing structures, amazing structures. And they are not thermodynamic. There's something energetic there that is just stunning in its intricacy. Um, And these sylphs, there's a spot, there's a center, there's an origin that. It's usually two eyes, it's two holes. And from these two holes, the whole structure emanates. Kind of like, uh, let's say, when you unfold a fan. And, uh, and and the fan spreads out, and then it catches the wind, and it begins to curl. But it is within these two holes that the sylphs begin. And it is interesting because these chemtrail planes go right through that spot. Time and time and time again, they go right through the heart of it. And so, if if they are elementals, if they are an aspect of the consciousness of the atmosphere, if they are this energy getting excited the water molecule is is rapidly attracted to it as we know the cases with the Oregon. then these guys want to know where they are the chemtrail the weather makers want to know where these beings are and so they mark them and you'll see the trail begins and ends at the physical extent of that cloud manifestation the trail does not exist on either side it stays right with it and then it is like i don't know um Putting in oil before you do a do a do a cardiovascular shock, a CPR shock, you know, you know, thump of the heart, and that's kind of what these trails, a are either targets here, hit this spot, and then b apply this this solution to it, and then also c we'll, we'll measure how the powders drift out on one side versus the other side to see what impact it's actually having on the atmosphere. So, I, I have hours of time lapse of these trails being laced through these these geometric silk formations and you know it 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 took me a while to get there it really did it took me a while but as I understood that um, the planet wants to express and she wants to express energetically and they are one manifestation of this uh, of this desire and she has to manifest her rain her clouds her sunny skies through this resonance vibration and it's tough to do. It's really tough to do. And uh, and these trails just help those weather makers um, get in her way. They get in her way.
1: Oh yeah. So do do you see our own healing? You know, our own you know, personal detoxification, transformation, having a direct impact on Mother Earth's ability to fight? I wouldn't say fight because I don't like the word fight, but sort of, <laughs> uh, I guess, transmute um, okay. these these uh, toxins and insults to the environment?
2: Um, I, um, I do the Ormus daily. I do diatomaceous earth probably four times a month. Um, I eat raw, a lot of raw food. I have a cannabis garden and I go out and eat greens off of that, um, just just plain greens. Just go out and pick it and eat it. Um, and that's been that's a, been incredibly beneficial. Um, so, you know, other than eating very rarely processed foods, very rarely, I think just being very conscious of what you put in your body is, is the key. And uh, I don't drink city water. It's well water. So there's no fluoride, no chlorine. That's a nice gift. And, uh, and just keep a good attitude. Just keep a good attitude. That is, uh, that is probably the one thing that you can't control. I mean, the two primary aspects of soul are, are where's your attitude and what's your attention about it? Or where's your attention and what's your attitude about it? So if you can control those two things, where you're focusing, what's your attitude, and we don't need to feed the beast with our, with our energy they love fear, they love anger. And that's why I I think I talk the way I do about the trails and about what's going on in the world today. It's because the last thing I want to do is to create fear, to create anxiety, to create that angst because that just further's their agenda. And so that's mm-hmm. that's job number 1. That's job number 1. And I think that's a big part of why I kind of kind of laid low from 2008 through 11. I just I didn't like you know how people were were receiving some of the things I was saying, so I just shut up for a while. I just shut up and, and 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 let the bread rise. Then come back.
0: Well, so. you've definitely you've definitely uh, come back with your voice at the right time, and it's um, it's refreshing. It is incredibly refreshing. <laughs> so I don't
2: there's, there's not many people out there like me.
0: <laughs> well, no, you know, they're not. <laughs> the more the more we hear you the more people really connect with the you know the the truth of what you're saying and and you know base, that that's based in the true nature of our reality it it makes yeah. so much sense
1: yeah.
0: now here we are we're we're quickly approaching the last quarter of 2012 so i have um, a two-fold question for you first okay. of all um and I'll ask them both together. First of all, where are you and Don going to be for um December twenty first? And is that going to be the last um sunrise? And then the <laughs> <laughs> then the second question is um, you know, what what are you thinking about um the the timeline and these dates and, and um you know Kind of just from the Scott Stevens perspective, which I am attaching myself to and loving. Um, you know what, um, what? What do you see coming up? Uh, you know, in this time frame.
2: Yeah. Well, I I plan on being here. I plan on being in Southern Colorado. We're here because Dawn's mother, who is amazing, and that 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 does her a great injustice. Um, she has has appeared to him many many times and essentially shown shown him this valley. And as I've come to understand the geography and the geology of how the San Luis Valley, in particular the, east, the eastern side of the valley, is formed, we are well insulated from from a lot of things. Um, we, you know, we're up at 8,000 feet, so if the Pacific needs to come inland, it can come in, a, in a great ways. And within three miles, there's 14,000-foot peaks nearby. So if we need to climb, we can climb. And that's Patrick Gerald's work about a change in Earth rotation. We need new sphinxes. We need new pyramids. You know, all of that resetting the time code that would happen after a, a change in a 26,000-year cycle. And if the Earth is going to go through that kind of scrubbing, then I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Wouldn't want to be anywhere else. If Atlantis comes up, if, if Lumeria comes up, then we'll see grand continents in, inside the Atlantic and the Pacific. And the waters will move. Uh, there will be very little left of this civilization if uh, if um, if uh, Farsight.org at half past human eclipse highs work is right, then we'll deal with um, some impacts from space. Uh, you know, after January, again another reason not to be near the oceans. And so we're again here for the right. We're here for the right reasons. You know, I'm in a community that is. No, I don't want to say survivalist, but very spiritual. There's 27 spiritual centers of of all different makes, and it was a Hopi elder that went to a woman by the name of Hannah Strong and said, "I have a task for you. I have a job for you. We need you need to develop this community where we can bring all of the world's religions together, so they we can have this unity thing coming on." And so. You know they've they've they had a large land grant. You know I, I think we're we're upwards of four hundred thousand acres, and so there's these ashrams and these a uh, whole of these you know the, the Dharma Ocean Center. and There's all these centers that are here, and so there's you know a, a, an amazing representation of the global religions here in this in this small community, and so we're we're all kind of you know on the same vibe, and uh, I think one of the things that I'm most grateful for is I know my neighbors. I know them well. They know me. We know each other's skills and each other's abilities. Because what we're going to be able to bring to a community after these changes is going to be the most important thing. Not what kind of money you have. That's going to be irrelevant. It's what skills do you have. What do you have to offer? What do you have in exchange? And when you're known and know people, then then it's easier to to begin to work and communicate at that person-to-person level. And I think that's going to be one of the big awakenings we have as a society, is we've so been suburbanized that we don't know our neighbors. We come into our little McMansions and we're isolated. We don't know each other. We don't have that sense of community. And when we do go through some earth changes, that's the one thing that will be changed immediately. Watch how many neighbors meet each other after a big snowstorm or after a tornado or after a hurricane. You get to know your neighbors. And then the community is forever changed by that. And so I think that is going to be one of the beautiful lessons, despite the carnage, if you will, that this country will go through. We will get to know each other once again. We can turn right. off the TV and say hello. And so I, I, I know there's changes coming. Um one of the things that Don has seen very recently is a lot of moving in Florida, a lot of people moving uh and a lake has also been has also been featured so I think I think there's something coastal that's gonna happen, and what he's seen at least thus far is is just Florida related but it's probably much larger than that um but i'm 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 high in the mountains um you know you gotta be in a good space and uh you know whatever whatever will be we have signed up for. You know our there's there's nothing that we're going to encounter that our souls didn't know before we chose to incarnate in these in these particular these very specific bodies so at a, at a soul level we know and if we can listen to our inner guides pay attention to our dreams and, and follow that you will not be led astray and mm. then you can then you can you know come to this come to this and you know with with an ease rather than with an angst
0: so, oh, so I'm, I'm wondering if um, my soul, Laura's souls, and our kids' souls um are have already reserved the your guest room.
2: <laughs> there's there's lots of land up here, guys. There's lots of land. There's lots of land. The water's good. The air's still pretty clean. You know, and, and there's a there's a lot of open arms. I can't tell you how many people have have said um. They've had dreams of kids walking down the street, you know, because we're at the end of a road. You know, the Nearest State Highway is, is, is 14 miles away, and it's, it's a county road that comes into this community. And there has been person after person have dreams of, of, of parents sending their kids here, kids walking down the street, needing shelter, needing food, needing love. Right. And um, and that's I think that's that's something we all need. And I think on oh, this planet, those things should simply be birthrights, not something that you would have access to because of money. You know, food and shelter are birthrights. Right. So, that's, so, I'm a little strong that way. <laughs> I'm a little opinionated that way, but I just think that's just that's just how the universe works. That's no, true. I. pure truth.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: It rings of truth, that's for sure. Now, um, we're we're coming up on kind of the the tail end of of our broadcast tonight um and before we get to you know the real end of it um just for you to i what i want to leave people with is um the real empowerment of of what people can do starting as soon as this broadcast is over what 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 is the the perspective That serves them what can they do is is positive activism um, a good thing is it is it you know how can they plug in if they really want to assist change and not just plug in to what they do in the outer world but just to Um, recap some of the things you've said about about the you know the inner world the, the, the place where we can really make a difference that no one can stop us from making a difference there
2: there's one simple word that's peace you have to come with it come come to a peace a sense of peace a sense of inner peace a sense of 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 just allowing things to be the way they are without the need to change them i know i can't change the chemtrails, but what i can do is communicate with people that number one they exist and using that as as essentially a way to open the door to many other things. Once that becomes a possibility or potential and then a reality to them, then we can begin to move them along a a whole other ladder of knowingness. And it takes time. It takes time to do that. But that can only come from me or from you when you're at peace with it all. Then it isn't in fear, it isn't in anger, it isn't in, 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 in Oh my God, the world's going to end. So what? You know, it's going to happen anyway. Whenever it's, it, whenever we need it to happen, it'll happen. You know, so it's a peace. It's a peace, and from that you can make intelligent and sane, and uh, and wise decisions. So it's it's slowing the scatter that goes on in your head, and I suppose that would come simply with with meditation. And, um, and, uh, an inner peace is not, that's, that's about as rare as gold is in this country, you know? So I think from there you, you can be at a point where you can make the proper decisions and, and, and connect with the right people and, uh, and connect to that inner guidance. And the one thing the orbis does do is, is it brings you loose and dreamy. That, that, that almost hap that's usually the first thing that happens. So, um, if you're interested in that then that's that's something people should look into i had a dream last night i was uh pulling into some kind of bay i'm not sure whether it was a, a car wash or an open garage or something but it was definitely light on the other side and i couldn't see it was like i was asleep and i was seeing some light and i was in this car and then and I, I couldn't get the, the smear off the windshield i couldn't roll down the window to see out and I felt like I just had this thing. I needed to open my eyes. I needed to open my eyes and tried the wipers, and then that didn't work. And eventually, I was able to rub, rub whatever was cold, keeping my eyes closed, open. And when I finally looked up and out of the car, there were three beings there. And all I saw were faces. What I, I have no recognition of, other than it was just a face. There was another woman with blondish hair, a middle-aged, uh, on the left side, and in the middle was George Burns with his black glasses. And I marvel, I marvelled at those glasses, and I'm like, ah, I know you. And then I woke up, and, and I was just, it was just the craziest thing. And it wasn't until much later this afternoon that he did that. What is it, Old God series, or? Yeah,
0: I was just going to mention that.
2: Um, yeah, it took me it took me a couple of hours to make that connection, but um, that was just that was just that was just this morning. So um, it was just kind of funny, kind of funny. I, I actually look I look forward to going to bed at night just just so I can enjoy the dreamscape. It's just uh, it's a place to go play. It's a good place to go do things, and I I'm kind of fond of saying it's better to work lessons out on the inner than the outer. Uh, it, comes, mm-hmm. it seems like it comes with it comes with less collateral damage that way. <laughs> so,
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah. Well, it's, it was wow. it was great to meet you guys. It was great to meet oh, you gosh. guys last month.
1: It really was so great to yeah. meet you. And I just I'm just blown away by this show. I think you're absolutely brilliant. I've just enjoyed hearing your perspective. I mean, you have a multi dimensional perspective, and you also work on a multi dimensional level. You know, health. Thoughts, energy, you know, and then <clears throat> the science, the, the 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 understanding of the weather, and then just having the intuition and the and the courage to, you know, follow your heart and follow what you knew to be true and to continue with it. And this is just an incredible example for everybody else um, to just to go with it, to and to do it without fear and to into and, and and to really just understand that there is a game being played and it's our reaction. You know, that counts more than anything else and what we choose to yep. do with it and how we allow ourselves to grow. That's so the I'm key absolutely your reaction. excited. Yeah. I'm excited to yeah, continue yeah. to follow your work. It's it's just so powerful. <laughs> I I've I've had a lump in my throat almost this whole interview because you've touched me so deeply. So thank you. Thank you for coming Girl. on the show.
2: Thank you, Laura. Thank you guys. I've I've enjoyed this immensely. Immensely. Thank goodness there's no commercial breaks.
0: <laughs> now scott before, before um before you go um what do you have coming up that we should know about um how do people get more information about um the ormus and um what else do you want us to know before uh, we do our little closing
2: well, uh I I don't actually I don't even have anything scheduled right now, which is kind of a kind of a crazy thing. You know, usually there's always a, a radio interview or two kind of sitting on the dock, but there isn't right now. And that and that's okay. Um I don't have any, any traveling things scheduled. Uh what I have not done lately is just these regular updates and so what I've started doing is just doing weather commentary every day and, uh, you know, take the camera out and, and, you know, show people what I see in the sky and, and what I, what from my understanding, from my observations, you know, what's going on. You know, point out the silfs in the sky, how how this chemtrail went right through the middle of that one, <clears throat> or, you know, outline the edge of uh, of, a, uh, of a zone of, of horizontal rippling. You know, so I'm just doing that kind of weather commentary. And so I'll update that, uh, like what I shoot today, I'll uh, Assemble it Final Cut uh, a little later on this evening, and then go to bed and let it render overnight, and then upload it to YouTube in the morning, and, and you know, write up the discussion. And that's what I've I've missed doing is is something very regular because I have this vast library of of, of video and, and, and pictures. But you know, in the news business, if you don't get it out you know that day, then its relevance is is evaporated. And so that's what I've had to do is uh, is kind of get back on that and, and just be very very regular uh, about doing updates. Um, and I'm, I'm largely focused on the western states and the Pacific. That's, you know, that, that's my territory, you know, and I don't look at the east as much as I probably should, and I rarely look at Europe and, and down under. There's so much that's happening in the world that you can get entrained into, you know, from politics to, to famine and, and Fukushima. There's so much that you you can be drawn into, and all of it's just a game. All of it is there and put in front of you so you will get entrained into it. Don't get attached to it. You know, it, it, what, whatever its outcome is going to be is, is what it's going to be. You know, if you're afraid of eating fish, then you're going to miss some good meals. You know, there's there's ways there's ways to mitigate this stuff, and so much of it is with your attitude. And so, um, you know, that's that's kind of where I am. Um, and then I'm, I'm working with Dawn uh, with, with the, Blue, the Blue Water Alchemy. And we've seen we've seen a, a, a very nice growth over the last uh, you know five six months. You know, we started this. Uh, I met Don in uh, June of two uh, two thousand nine, and uh, it was four days after I met him. I'm like oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is this is this is my project because I was looking for something beyond weather that that would deal with consciousness, that would deal with you know getting getting to people to you know to, to see the bigger picture and this was this was the tool and it it was made very very clear to me and so uh, you know we we started up the business and and it's uh we've had our best month in the last uh best month ever even even more than me doing coast to coast in the the last uh 30 days and so it's people are, are looking for it they're looking for an aid they're looking for that little extra something And, you know, once the ormus comes into the body, you begin to see the right and left hemispheres, the brain begin to click into sync in about 20 minutes, and then after two weeks, the EEGs, the right and left hemispheres, are essentially in lockstep, the butterfly. And that's really what people need now, is to be able to be centered, to be able to be present. And when you're present, you can participate. If you're worried about the future or lamenting the past, you cannot participate, because those two visions, which are dead imagery, do not power the moment of now and that's the only place you will ever live is right now and I've sp- its a big lesson for me it's been a big lesson for me
1: so I'm, I'm uh, about to stand up and give you a standing <coughs> ovation I mean seriously I just I feel like a whole group of, of people with me and I'm just like yeah I love it
2: absolutely well, I I I've I wanted I came across uh pegasus uh, i think probably three years ago uh, i must have been carrie cassidy something with that and i've just had this fascination with you laura since i'm like there's just something there i just there's just something there so i i've wanted to make this connection for for some time for some time oh, that's awesome. so I'm I'm, I'm I'm grateful it's happened
1: oh well, i'm Scott. so grateful to you so much
2: yeah Thank
0: you for honoring us with your presence on the show. It was an absolute treat to meet you and Don at the Chemtrails Beyond Consciousness uh, conference. Um, This is not the end of it uh, for us, I absolutely uh, guarantee you. Um, You're you're just too, not too inspiring, but you're just inspiring enough for me to... um, want to continue to follow you and um you'll be hearing from me in the next week with just a personal phone call
2: and um, <laughs> just
0: thank you thank you thank you for this and um you you've uh you you've, you've really helped us put some uh great information out there and a, and a wonderful energetic dynamic and uh we thank you for that
2: my pleasure guys my pleasure anytime let's do it again thank okay, you so much.
0: now you before betcha. we um before we leave here, let's um, just give you a quick uh, recap on um, the schedule for Laura and myself. We'll be in uh, Asheville, North Carolina, uh, starting tomorrow night at 1 in the morning, but uh, all day Thursday <laughs> through Monday. And this, Monday. Is, and this uh, is at the um, Star Knowledge Asheville Conference. Uh, Laura and I will be speaking of between the two of us, um, I I think it's uh, eight presentations, and um, so lots of information to share. We'll also be doing um, joint sessions and some things like that, and then on November 11th here in Ventura, we are doing Loving the Breath of Life. It'll be a a six-and-a-half-hour event, um, with myself and Laura, it is our event that we're putting together. We have Jillian Nye, an amazing artist that will have her work up in the gallery where the event is, and um, our dear friend Shama bringing um, breath and movement into it. We are joining forces do as one crew who are um, getting a billion people to breathe synchronistic um, in, in synchronous breathing. Um, on 1111. So um, if you can't join us, go to doasone.com, or it might be .org, but doasone, and get that information. And then plenty of time for you to plan this. December 10th through the 13th, Phoenix, Arizona, the Star Knowledge Conference. There are more than 60 speakers. It is over the 121212 date. This is going to be absolutely over-the-top incredible. Um, I believe you can still get discount room reservations. Um, you want to be there. Please join us for this. Um, this is one of the ways we're closing out the year, and we are we are thrilled about it. And then also we have our holistic healing practice here in Ventura, California, helping people with um, getting to the to the heart of their core issues, anything physical, anything that's going on that you are committed and dedicated to clearing out and moving through, we're here to assist you. Laura, anything that I've forgotten?
1: I don't think so. I look forward to seeing everybody at these events and next week on our show, and much love to everybody. Thank you for listening.
0: Oh, next week on the show we have Catalina Angel and we're going to be talking about um the different programmings that um are so readily available for all of us to buy into and um the the quickest way out of those programmings. That's the best I can do now. We'll start promoting that tonight. Um folks, tonight take the inspiration from tonight's broadcast and really use it to shift whatever energies in your life are are, are asking, that are asking for your attention. We're all going to make the difference because we're all in this together. And um, just so much love for all of you. Thank you so much.
1: Good night.